Hello everyone, this is Jeffrey. In the last couple of episodes, we went over what exactly future problem solving or FPS is, and I highly encourage you to check them out and learn about what the amazing program is all about. So we went we also went over my favorite component, which is called scenario writing. In this episode, we will go over how to improve your scenario writing skills. But first, I want to introduce you to the amazing Mrs. Leader. Mrs. Leader, can you please briefly introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, my name is Ariella Leader, um, and I am a teacher and co-affiliate director of the California Future Problem Solving Program. And I have been involved with the program for a very long time. I actually started uh, back when I was a fourth grader in 1984, and I competed as a student in future problem solving. Um, and at the time, uh, it predominantly global, the Global Issues Problem Solving Program was um, the main component and the component that I was involved with when I competed as a student. Later, when I became a teacher, I thought back to the one thing about all my education that had the biggest influence on me and that I thought I learned the most from, and it was this program. So I looked it up to see if it still existed. And it did, so I got involved with the program as a coach um, and working with my students and teaching them about this program that I fell in love with as a student. And uh, today um, I coach students in global issues problem solving and scenario writing. And um, I'm also the co-affiliate director for the California Future Problem Solving Program. And I've been involved as a board member in the past and evaluator in the past, kind of every capacity that you could you could be involved with this program because I feel so passionately about it. That's great. So you mentioned that you coach scenario writing at your school. So how do you coach your elementary elementary school students to write stronger scenarios? So really with my with elementary school students, I really start with just getting them to think about the future. And we do this um, activity where I write a all these uh, what if scenarios on these big sheet, uh, big poster boards, hang them up around the room, and the kids kind of wander around, think and talk about the what if, and just and just start thinking about it. A few examples, like um, uh, this year, I wrote one up that said, "What if in the future you could um, live to be 250 years old?" And then I kind of leave it open-ended, and the kids just start to talk, well, what would that be like? What would that really look like if that were a possibility in the future? And they start to write down just their thoughts, just jot them down. Um, we talked about um, one of the what-ifs. What if you could pick the characteristics that your baby would have in the future, like the designer babies? What if you could predict the exact date that you were going to die? Would you want to and why and what, th what that would look like? Um, there was a what-if we talked about. Uh, what if... Uh, a car, the futuristic cars were set so that if you made a certain number of mistakes, you then the car would stop and you wouldn't be able to continue um, driving at that point. What would that look like? And so the kids just start to brainstorm all these ideas and I just kind of walk around and talk to them and add more what ifs and they start doing, well, yeah, but what if this happened? What if that happened? And they kind of just get excited thinking about the future. So I would say that that is how I start the process. Um, and then I, um, I start to read some of my favorite scenarios. I have a stack of my favorites over the years because I've been involved for so long. Mm -hmm. And they will sit and listen and hang on every single word for some of these scenarios. And we just go through them. And I just, they'll say, another one, another one. And I'll say, no, we'll read more next time because they just get so into it. And it's exciting for them to read scenarios written by kids their age, maybe a couple years older, 
and see how much how much power there is in in the kids writing and how it's you know just as as good as some of the as books that they're reading that they're enjoying um so we do that and then um from there i usually will introduce the scenario topics for the year um so there are the five scenario topics that are available for the students and we'll usually just kind of all sit around and talk about we'll read through kind of an over the overview for the topic and I'll, I'll try to find maybe an interesting um, TED Talk or um, video clip that just kind of gets us thinking about the topic. And we just talk about it. Um, and we'll do that with each of the five topics. And then they start to kind of figure out which one they're most interested in. And um, they'll usually meet in groups in my classroom. Like, I'm interested in this topic. And they'll meet over here. And these some people are like, well, I kind of want to write about two different topics. And so they go to both meetings and kind of narrow in on which one they really want to learn about. And then the research part happens before, um, mostly before the writing, but some kids already say, like, I have an idea. And so if you were to walk into my room um, during our scenario writing time period, it's usually a mixture of kids that are at front, you know, already working and writing and know their whole story and where they're going to kids that are still kind of sitting there, not sure which topic they want to pick. And they're all at their own stages and, and kind of working through the process throughout the time that we have. I see. So throughout your experience coaching scenario writing, what are some of the best or most memorable stories that you've read? So um, <clears throat> I guess I would say, um, so there was one uh, several years back about um, the topic was orphan children. And there was a scenario written about a, um, it was written from the perspective of um, a robot that had been assigned this orphan child because life had gotten to the point where there was so much destruction and there were, were um, there was a lot of um, famine and, and um, war and so many things going on that left all these um, children that didn't have parents. And so the government assigned them these robots that used to take care of animals, I think. it's I think that was what it was. And now they were taking care of um, human kids and the the perspective of the robot talking about wanting to feel and love and care for the child the way that the the child deserved to be cared for um, was really intense. So that was one that stuck out in my mind. And there are a couple that I'm trying to think of some other ones. Um, there was uh, one where where people in the future were matched up. Um, husband and wife matched up based on all these characteristics and they were genetically tested to find people with the same intellectual level and the same career drive and all these different things. And then when they were ready to um, have a child, they, this perfect couple, um, and I'm probably not quoting it exactly because it's, uh, it's been a while since I've read this particular one, but they went to go have a child and they went to get tested and turns out that they were actually genetically siblings because of all the genetic modifications that had taken place. So they weren't allowed to have a child because they were too closely linked in their genetics. Um, there was one about ocean, um, ocean pollution written from the perspective of the ocean. And at the beginning, the ocean is so um, hungry and the humans are so generous because they keep feeding the ocean all this plastic and this more and more plastic pollution is being thrown into the ocean. The ocean's so proud of itself for kind of gobbling it all up and doing what the humans want the ocean to do. And then all of a sudden the humans kind of turn on the ocean and look at the ocean and, and, have, and have this feeling of like disgust. And the ocean's like, but this is what you gave to me. Why, why are you looking at me like I'm horrible now that birds are dying with plastic in their stomachs? You know, that kind of thing. And it 
had just so powerful. There's so many of them. I would say a common theme, though, in the scenarios, and my students always, they're drawn to this, is kind of a dark, there's a darkness. Um, it's almost, yeah, like a like a depressing type of story. Um, oftentimes um, has a lot of power in it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I remember reading the first and third story that you mentioned, but that perfectly leads into my next question, which is what usual elements are found in a strong scenario writing story? Yeah, so I think there's not one one right way to do this because my students will always ask me like, well, what do I what do I do? And there is no right way, but I will say that um, the that the ones that have a level of intensity, um, you know, if there's a twist ending that is is pretty powerful and that kind of that intense intense um feeling where you're just like what happens next like what is going to happen kind of a cliffhanger ending that kind of thing um i often tell my students that it's almost like um i tell them like it's your opportunity to say to the adult world like hey wake up if we're not careful this is what could happen like it's almost like a warning of what the potential negative um, possibility could be in a particular topic if we aren't more aware um, of what we're doing and the choices we're making as a society. So those tend to be the most powerful. Um, there are some that are really funny that, that are great too, because I it, personally, I enjoy humor. I would say most of my students tend to write the darker ones, but there's one that's really another, just sharing another quick scenario that I thought mm -hmm. was um, really entertaining. There was a scenario written, it, the topic was smart clothes, and it, this was a while back, maybe you've read this one, but the student wrote about, um, she had been given this um, new jacket that had all this technology in it, and one of the things that it had was a mind reader, so it could tell where she was, and she was getting in trouble because her mom knew she went to the mall instead of going to where she was supposed to go to study at the library. So she at one point takes the mind reader off of her, off of her coat and clips it onto a little puppy dog's like a uh, little bow in the puppy dog's hair or something like that and when she gets home her mom says something like well what is going on with you all day long you've been thinking about taking walks in the park like what's <laughs> happening and so I read that one to my students because the story had some dramatic and some intense parts but then it had humor and that that component of humor I think when you can do it and do it well I mean it, it's really impressive this was a junior division so it was either a fourth fifth or sixth grade writer who wrote the story and it does doesn't matter which group I read it to, the group laughs because it's just like, you know, it just, it kind of catches you, especially when there's intensity, but then humor kind of infiltrates into it is, is really great. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've actually read that one, but that sounds really, really interesting. So, um, <laughs> so what is your favorite piece of advice for your scenario writing students? I would say, um, write something that you want to read. Um, something that you would enjoy yourself. Think about the type of writing that you enjoy and the types of stories you enjoy. Um, and I always tell my students, I mean, I, I love books and I love movies as well. And my favorite books are the ones that as I'm reading it, I, I can think, oh, this is going to be made into a movie and it's going to be so great. Not as good as the book because it never is, but it's mm -hmm. going to be so cool because I can see it happening in my mind. And so when my students write like that, it's just amazing. And they, and they, they know it too. We'll read something and I'll say like, can you guys picture this? And they're like, yeah, I can. So that, that's the most um, compelling thing is writing something that you would want to read um, yourself. I see. Yeah, that's really good. So, um, 
how has competing in FPS helped your students? Um, so that's a that's a great question, and I think it has helped my students in so many different ways, um, and it really depends on the student. Um, I think for for some students, um, it's just given them an awareness of what else is out there in the world. Um, I think depending on where you live, the area where I teach in particular, you know, you're pretty, um, there's, it's almost like you're living in a little bubble if you don't reach outside and see what's happening in the real world. Um, and so I think that perspective, it changes them. I have so many parents that come back to me and say all of a sudden they're child is talking about world events and wants to sit down and discuss things with them and and asks questions and bringing new information and comes home and researches things. I don't assign any homework for future problem solving with my students and they go home and do so much homework because they're interested and they're excited and so it's there's like a motivation factor and it's motivating to to learn and to grow as a person rather than being told from a teacher you need to go do these 10 problems and get the answers and come back and give them to me so I can grade them it's not like that it's more like if this is interesting to you and you want to know more about what's going on in the world you know relating to this topic go learn about it and then from the teaching perspective I love it because I continue to learn with each topic so I Teach, I try to model for the students the whole concept of just being a lifelong learner. And I think so many of them take that with them when they go. Um, it just builds a curiosity and desire for, for more information. And I can't tell you how many students, because now I'm old and have been teaching for a long time, <laughs> but I have so many students that will write to me. Um, they'll find me on Facebook. If Most of them don't do Facebook and the younger ones anymore, but they'll find me on Facebook and they'll write me these, these um, messages, um, you know, saying, Saying, you know what future problem solving meant to them and, and keep in mind I you know work with them in fourth fifth and sixth grade so I don't see I mean I see them at state both they continue through high school and that kind of thing but for most of my students I'm the only coach they ever had and then they go on if they compete they compete on their own and they'll come um, they'll write me these letters just talking about how much of an impact the being a part of the future problem solving program had on them academically and socially. I think for some of my students, I tend to get um, uh, quite a few students that are a little more um, uh, shy, a little more self-conscious, that kind of thing. And so when we're doing, so I think being a part of the program and doing the skit portion, like presenting their ideas, mm -hmm. um, has been huge for those kids in terms of increasing their self-confidence and in, in um, presentation skills. So I think that part has been um, really amazing. I think it teaches them how to work with other people. Um, and even if you're doing a scenario writing on your own, my students are back and forth reading each other's um, stories, giving input, making suggestions. Um, and so I think like it really teaches, and then the Global Issues Problem Solving Program teaches teamwork as well. So there's just, I think it depends on this, the student as to what they take away from it, but there's no doubt that they're all benefiting regardless of the competition part of it or anything else. It's just, it has, it has such a huge impact. Got it. Yeah, that's awesome. So for last, last but not least, for a, a fun and hard question, if you could pick a future topic for your students to write about, what topic would you pick? Oh yeah, this is a this is an interesting one. Um, there have been so many good topics that we've done that I almost feel like we could that could be explored again. But I would say that something that something that jumps in my head, but I you know it it would be um, 
interesting to see if they would do this, but um, just the political climate of our country, mm. um, it, and maybe that's just because it's an issue that's important to me. And um, uh, I, I would I would love to see uh, the next generation be able to shift um, kind of the negative energy. Um, and so exploring it and learning about it and knowing what's going on might help, you know, um, present solutions for that in the future. So that's, that's an issue that I would say, um, would, would come up. The, uh, the other thing I think, I think we've covered it, but again, the privacy issue with, um, with technology today, I think it's, it's huge. So that's like another one that that popped up into my head, like the targeted ads, um, you know, all everything that tech, the way technology has infiltrated our, our homes. I know we've we've covered it a lot, but that's just those are a few that pop into my mind as topics that I would like to see the students explore. It's always interesting to see which topics they um, do select. And then I always find it interesting that even though the topics are selected two, three years in advance, there's always something going on. Right. As soon as we start studying something, all of a sudden something is related to that. So it's always interesting how that works out. Mm -hmm. All right. That's all the questions I have for you today. Uh, Mrs. Leader, thank you so much for your time and have a great rest of your summer. Thank you. Nice talking to you. Nice talking to you too. <laughs>